What's up, Healer? I'm your host, Q Morgan, and you're listening to Modern Healing, the podcast that teaches you how to manage your own mental space in more ways than one. On this episode, we'll talk about the father wound and just how much it can have an effect on your mental health. Come on, let's heal for real. Let's go inside the show. You know, I do a lot of soul searching, and I found myself in between two mediums. The medium lies in between who my father is and who my mother is. You see, the more that I dig to discover about them, the more I actually learn about me. And in this season of my life, primarily, I've been focusing on my father, a black man living in America. And as I was searching and trying to learn more about him, I was curious, how does America view black fathers like my dad? And in looking at articles on the Newsweek and even the Washington Post, I was hit by a laundry list of titles that said something like this. The dangerous myth of the missing black father. Black fathers missing from the community. You know, growing up, the lesson was everywhere. Every major problem in black America could be solved if we address the problem of missing fathers. You know, it's sad. No longer is a person embarrassed because they're pregnant without a husband. No longer is a boy considered an embarrassment if he tries to run away from being the father of the unmarried child. And when a police officer was killed... In Jersey City in July of 2014, a local television news reporter said, on air, the underlying cause of the anti-cop mentality that has so contaminated America's inner cities was young black men growing up without fathers. You know, President Barack Obama has been one of the biggest advocates of black fathers. In the 2008 speech delivered on Father's Day at a church on Chicago's South Side, the first viable black candidate for president of the United States chastised black fathers. Too many black fathers, he said, are missing from too many lives and too many homes. They have abandoned their responsibilities, acting like boys instead of men. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. Nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison, Obama said. They are more likely to have behavioral problems or or run away from home or become teenage parents themselves. And the foundations of our communities are weakened because black fathers are missing. You know, it's, it's very sad that black men won't step up and take responsibility. And that's why I have to publicly honor my father because he wasn't the best father, nor was he the best dad, but he was always present, and I appreciate that. And, you know, my father, he struggled with drugs 
most of my life. A lot of the childhood I wish I had, I didn't because he was struggling. And though I've never actually seen my father do drugs, I actually seen some of the side effects of what it did to him. He became very angry, very violent, and it really damaged our connection. You know, growing up with my father, though he was in the home, it was like I was in the home with a stranger because we didn't have a relationship. Yet through it all, I love my dad. I remember being probably seven or eight years old and my dad was gone and he had been gone almost all night. And I remember looking out the window, just wondering if he was going to come home because yes, he was mean to me and he treated me any kind of way and talked to me any kind of way, but that was my dad. And I realized at a young age that that was all I had and I had to love him, even if loving him hurt. You know, my dad went away and got clean, and uh, that was an interesting time in my life. I was always asking my grandmother, hey, where's my dad? Where's my dad? You know, when is he coming back? What's going on? And she would always tell me he's getting the help that he needs. He's getting the help that he needs. You know, me and my dad now, we have an interesting relationship. We've learned to create a bond. And I think even with my grandmother passing, I thought that bond would be broken, but it even has strengthened even more because I learned to love him. And in loving him, I realized that I had to love him for who he was and I had to forgive him. And me forgiving my father was me going to therapy and working through some of the traumatic experiences that I had. I had to get the help that I needed. And in helping me, I helped our relationship. And even to this day, our relationship is yet growing. But it saddens me that many children around this world don't have their dad. Many women are growing up trying to find love in a man because they've never been raised by one. And so I continued to research and dig and listen to even more of what the media was saying about black fathers in America. One of the most pervasive stereotypes about black Americans is that of the absent black father. The absent black father myth is the idea, the stereotypical and incorrect notion that African-American fathers have very little contact with their children, if any contact at all. And in black America, the reality of being fatherless is perhaps most painful. 73% of all black babies are born out of wedlock. Experts say there's a crisis crisis when it comes to black fathers in this country. The news media loves asking where all the black fathers are, and that whole idea has been linked to everything from poverty and crime to even police violence against black communities. Why are these police shootings occurring? Well, it's because there is an absent black father, or it's because black families are on welfare. But this idea that black fathers aren't present in their kids' lives is actually false. To be a parent is to have children that you love and try and support. And Black fathers experience that the same way that anyone else would. Why would you even think there was a difference? I get it. I get it. It's not easy being a black father and living in America. But let me tell you, there are black fathers who bust their butts every single day. They go to work, they take care of their wives, and they take care of their children. 
And I know it's not Father's Day. But listen, we don't have to wait until one day out of the year to salute the black men that show up every single day. And, you know, I wanted to learn more about modern day fatherhood and what it was like in the, our current culture and our current world being a father and being a black father at that. And so I reached out to a friend of mine. His name is Loroco. He's a father, a preacher, a musician, a professor, and an author. In fact, he's the author of a book called Shattered Glass. And he fathers two amazing twin boys that I promise you, if you've seen their Instagram page, you would be like, wow. Talk about mercy and grace. These babies are, are beautiful. And so I wanted to talk to Lorelco because I read a quote that said, the first person that was supposed to love me broke my heart, and that was my father. I thought this quote came from a woman, but I realized that it came from a man because men have daddy issues as well. Men, men have problems as well. So Lorelco, I want to ask you a question. I want you to tell us about some of the biggest problems you've had to face and how you, you've taken the time to heal from them as a black man, as a black father. It's interesting that you said a lot of men, we have daddy issues. I was actually watching the show um, the other day and the whole show was about daddy issues. I don't know if they meant for that to happen, but it's interesting. Uh, I would say that one of the biggest things that I had to face in my life, man, um, when I was 17, my father passed away. And uh, he was the rock of our family. You know, my mother is very strong, a very strong-willed individual. Uh, came from a two-parent background. Um, you know, love the Lord. My father was a pastor. Um, my mother was a pastor. We grew up in the Lord. Uh, they sheltered us. They provided us food, security. I mean, it was amazing. It was, it was a great experience as a child. Um, and then he passed away randomly. It was sudden. Um, it was something that was unexpected. And uh, it was three days before my senior prom. Um, and so it was, it was interesting how that moment and, and watching or listening to the dispatcher come to my house and explain what happened. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was like a surreal moment. Like, wow, this is, you know, this is just take place. And I think it was like before, because I was getting ready to go to college and I was going to go to Georgia Tech, but I switched and, and decided to go to Middle Tennessee State University. And, um, I was like, I need to stay home with my family, be close to my family. And it really bothered me because I I began to realize how hard it was to be a man without my father. Um, I think that was one of the biggest things. I knew how to be a boy with my dad. <clears throat> I didn't know how to be a, a a man. You know what I'm saying? So that transition, like he like he died at a at a specific, at a very integral point in my life. And for me, I didn't know how to bounce back from that. So I got caught up in a lot of different things. I was really isolated to myself. And then I put on this mask as if, you know, I had it together when deep down inside, I did not have it together at all. Um, and so it didn't take, it took a couple of years for me to figure out um, how to find myself in God. Um, and for me, I wrestled with my identity. I wrestled with knowing who I was as a man. Um, you know, I, I, I finally, I got, I, I was in a relationship with this young lady and we were together for a long time, but I knew I was in that relationship to uh, to fill a void from what I was missing. 
I was missing the love of my father, but I used this woman as that void. And so I was stuck or I was hanging on this relationship, which I knew was dying, but I was hanging on because it was feeling a void that I knew was missing the love part of the man that I needed to be. So that was probably the hardest things, one of the hardest things I had to struggle with um, as a young boy growing into manhood, uh, not having a father to teach me how to shave, you know what I mean? That type of stuff. So, yeah, it was tough. I can't even imagine having a father and then waking up one day and he's gone. Let me say to you, Loroco, I salute your strength. You know, I was talking with a good friend, Joel in a previous episode, and he talked about doing the work in real time, taking the time right now to heal. How do we in today's society break the negative narratives in our community surrounding black fatherhood? How do we show up for our families? How do we heal? I always say that, you know, with some fathers, they're there, right? There are some fathers... Who aren't there? And they're, you know, and, and when I say there, I mean they're in the room, or they're you can see them, you know, but they're not present. And I think one of the major things in that I've learned um, with my boys is I, I have to be present. It's okay to be in the room, but it's even better to get off your phone and actually to interact with them and to let them know that you're there, that you're talking to them, you're reading the book, you're burping them, you're holding them, you. You know, you're playing around, giving them tummy time, just letting them know that you're constantly there in every space and every moment of life. That is the most important thing we can do as fathers, especially with newborns, because at this stage, at this age of development, up until the age of what five, they are picking up everything that we do. You know what I mean? I was I was literally grooming my my beard and brushing my face. And I had him in the bathroom on their little boppy, and he was my, my boys were just literally staring at. Now, they don't know what I'm doing, but they are literally staring at me. And every move that I make, they're looking and they're watching. And I think that it's important that as men, as fathers, we should learn to mentor our children at an age where they may not even know what we are even doing. It starts when they're babies. Um, and so I think it's important that we change that narrative uh, when it comes to Black fathers by just being present, not just being there, but being present, holding them in interacting and then being social you know it's okay to show people that you're there for your children you know what i'm saying it's, you don't have to be isolated in that that's that's okay you know and i tell people all the time it's okay to show others hey i'm a present dad you know it doesn't make me weak that i love my kids it doesn't make me weak that i kiss on my boys it doesn't make me you know look any less of a man it makes me more of a man to to show the love that i have for my babies you know what i'm saying and so um, i think that's one of the things that we can do to change the narrative and just man just show so much love man and just you know what i mean that's just it's all about love bro and that's what we're missing in our world man is black fathers showing love you know not showing hate anger the stuff that we've been through in our past and we're projecting that on our kids no we just got to show love because we feel the love based on what they well based on what we've created that's love all together you know what i'm saying like they came from us we can't help but love you know what I'm saying? And so I think a lot of people get lost in translation of their past, get lost in translation of how they grew up and they project that on their children and they forget to see or they, or, or how the kids came out. You know, they came from a broken family, so I can't treat them the same. So they don't they don't think about 
the whole person. They think about the uh, the environment. And I think that we got to get out of the, the mindset of looking at the environment where I am and get in the moment you know, of who they are and who we are and what we are designed to do. And that's love. You know, it's crazy. Back in the day, I felt like men, they knew their role in relationships. But with the rise of independence from women, I feel like men are fighting to find a sense of purpose in love and in life. Bro, how do we fight for our purpose and stop fighting against ourselves? How do we pick up the shattered glass in our lives? Oh, man. Um, it's funny. I, I wrote a book called Shattered Glass, Embracing Your Brokenness to Become the Best Version of Yourself. And when I was writing this, I was writing it from a place where I knew I needed God to help me. I knew I needed God to feel me. And I knew I crazy because I wrote the book. It was, at first, it was called um, Bounce Back. And so I had a vision in my mind of a dodgeball throwing it against the wall and it bounces back. And God said, no, nah, man, that's, you know, that's too simple. That's not your life. I said, what do you mean? It's not, it's not. No, man, like pick up a glass and throw it against the wall. And I was like, well, I can't. It, it won't be a glass then. It'll be broken. It'll be shattered. I can't use it. I said, that's who you are. Let me mend that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, well, you got to how in the world, like, and, and, I, and I look at ourselves, you know, as men, we're all shattered in some form or fashion. We're all shattered and broken. And we, we can just realize that, man, we are shattered, but we have a higher power in Christ, man, who can mend our broken pieces. And if we do it ourselves, this is what happens when we do it ourselves. We'll start cutting ourselves. We'll start picking up those sharp edges. Oh, I need that piece put back together, knowing you don't need that piece. And you start putting it in the wrong place. And now you're bleeding out. Now, you know, you're you're stabbing yourself. Now you're you're causing more. So give me your burdens. Cast your burdens upon me. Let me hold you. Let me love you. Let me mend you back together. And I think that was like that was the turning point for me where God showed me, man, man, you're shattered. But allow me to just embrace that shattered pieces of your heart and pieces of your of your soul embrace that and allow me to to heal you allow me to mend you back together and i think uh, a major part i think the first chapter of my book is called identity and i think that's the major issue we have in our black community regarding our black fathers knowing who we are and we'll only know who we are through christ because he's the only one who knows us the best you get what i'm saying and so um, you know, you know, he knows the hairs on our—I mean, the hairs on our head. Even even if we go bald, he knows. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, if we if we realize how to anchor our identity in Him, we'll begin to know more of ourselves. Because a lot of times we start to figure out, we try to find our identity in other people, and other things, and other women, and in places, in sex, and lust, and and cars, and money. And that's not our identity. Our identity is in God. Once we realize and have a connection with Him. Then we begin to see, oh, this is who I am. This is who I'm designed to be. This is my purpose. This is my destiny. And once we see our destiny, our purpose, and the macro aspect of our lives, then we can lead. Then we can mentor. Then we can show others how to get to another place and, and to project greatness in others. You know what I'm saying? And so um, we just have to know who we are, man. And once we realize, once we realize our role, 
which is to be responsible, which is to be the provider. I, I love the Me Too movement. I love the feminism. You know, some of it is great, whatever. But I think we can't lose sight of who we are as men based on what society is trying to dictate who we are supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? We can't lose sight of that. And and how we don't lose sight of that is get in the book, get in the word of God and study and understand that our role is kind of like how Christ's role is for us. You know what I mean? It's to be an anchor, to be a pillar, a spiritual pillar for our families. You know, Lorelco, I got one more question for you. What does healing look like for you and the generation of baby boys growing up right before you? What continued healing looks like for me, I have to sacrifice myself to God daily um, because I can easily get caught up um, in a place where, you know, I'm to myself. You know, I'm back, a 17-year-old boy, you know, looking, you know, at the door, you know, trying to figure out when, when's dad coming back home. I can always find myself back there if I'm overly stressed or overly overwhelmed with things. And that's how the devil tries to get me where, oh, let me pound so much stuff on him where he feels like he can't function. And then where I just break down. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, that's that's an area in which I'm always looking ahead towards the future to figure out, okay, what could happen? How do I prepare for this? And you know, so I'm always constantly seeking the Lord, constantly worshiping, finding my finding a pen to write, to journal, to you know, get counseling, to connect with people, to connect with my guys. And so what, once I continually do that, and since I've continually done that, I see myself and my boys and I'm like, man, I got to make sure that like I'm on it for them. You know what I'm saying? Like it gives me, a, it, it rejuvenates my heart and rejuvenates my soul to, to even, you know, be motivated to do more and to continue this healing process because I have to heal daily and I have to die daily as well. You know, and, and that is part of the healing process. And in order for something to fully grow, you have to put it underground and water it and watch it flourish. At some point, I got to kill myself, not literally, but in the spiritual sense, I have to die daily so that God can give me life throughout my day, throughout my week, throughout the months and years. And once I continue to die to myself, you know, and sacrifice myself, I'm able to give more. I'm able to give to my boys and, and watch them grow. And so everything that I've learned in my life, everything that I've gone through, I can I can give to them and, and give it wholeheartedly without any pushback, without any barriers, without any boundaries. I can say, hey, sons, this is what this is what life is. This is what I've gone through. This is what I've dealt with. You know what I mean? Not not saying it, but just projecting that love on them, like loving them so much where it's like that way. What you been through? Like, why are you loving me so? Much? That's what I want to feel from them. That's what I want to hear. Like, damn, you always on me. Like, you my guy. You know, I, I want to hear that because I want that type of relationship with them where it's open and transparent, and we can just, you know, as I heal, I don't want them to have to go through anything so catastrophic where they have to heal too. I know it's, you know, it's gonna happen at some point. But I don't want them to have to suffer and try to learn something all over again by themselves. I want to be that whole person that they can run to, you know, where they don't have to feel like they can walk around, you know, broken or shattered. I want to be whole for them. And my friend, you will be, you will be whole, not just for them, but for the generation of young men that are coming behind you, watching you. 
thank you for standing up for healing, and thank you for being a great example of a black father. Well, they say that sometimes your worst enemy is your own memory. That's why it's important to give yourself some breathing room. Give yourself grace and take time to heal. Listen, I'm out. This is Modern Healing. Modern Healing is supported by Bloom, the self-guided therapy mobile app that uses the power of cognitive behavioral therapy and mindful exercises to improve your mental health. Download the mobile app today and start your healing.